At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Today, at least one or two coming from our guest. He is a, uh, his name is Chris Miles. He's a cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. I'm really dying to know what that means. He's a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He's an author. He's got his own podcast like we do. It's called the Chris Miles Money Show. He's been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneur on Fire, Bigger Pockets, has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, and gets his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by over $250 million in the last 11 years. So without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, Chris Miles. Chris, how are hey. you doing today? Good. Appreciate having it's me on, man. $150 million. That's impressive. right. Way more than $1 million. <laughs> More than $1 million or $1 billion, zillion, zillion. So, um, of course, um, I want to hear all about the anti-financial thing, but people are going to spend some time with us today. Maybe they're going to click away because uh, of our beards. They shouldn't because we look really good. <laughs> but to prevent them from doing that, give us some takeaways. What we're going to learn today about becoming a uh, financially independent. Yeah, I was able to do that twice by the time I was 39. Um, and the reason it was twice is because I screwed up once, right? So, <laughs> so I screwed up once, had to do it again. But the cool thing is I was able to accomplish that twice by the time I was 39 years old. Nice. And uh, I've helped many, many other people do the same thing to where mm -hmm. you, be, you work because you want to, not because you have to, right? Yeah, Which is right. Like the best way to live. You know, it's like right. you live life by choice, not by, you know, force or living in a rut. Mm hmm is there um, something unique they're going to learn today? Something very specific that's that's uh, contrary? Because you you said anti financial advisor, so is there something uh, kind of different? I'm pretty contrarian. Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty much everything you learn from financial advisors suck. Um, there we and go. I'm going to talk about why that is. Because um, I used to be one. I used to be that guy 20 years ago, and Ooh. found out that by not doing it that way, by doing the opposite of what I was taught to do as a financial advisor, that's how I was able to become financially independent. So really like how to undo all that teaching and education you get from like the Dave Ramsey's of the world and people like that, that uh -huh. essentially keep you trapped in bondage unknowingly. So, uh, yeah, right. we're going to talk well, about my, that. Today. We might title the show that when we air this, right? The why financial advisors suck or yeah. why mo most of them, we're going to say all, we'll say most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Again, good hearted people, but yes. you know, the thing is they're taught crap. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get into the crap that we're going to teach people not to do, give me a little bit about your background. Yeah. So, you know, I started out actually wanting to go into business consulting, right? I was going to go down that path. And then as I did that, um, I realized if I'm going to be a business consultant, shouldn't I have real entrepreneur business experience? Uh, so as a result, I said, all right, great. I'm going to go do that. So uh, I went and dropped out of college with one class to go before my bachelor's. And the first business that came across my way was becoming a financial advisor. Little did I know that all you had to do was pass a test and have a heartbeat and you can become a financial advisor, right? It didn't have to be anybody special. You didn't have to have a lot of money. You just had to be willing to work your tail off for commissions. And uh, so that's the route I went. Now, the thing is, I actually loved helping people. I loved teaching them about money and things like that, especially as I learned more about money. Um, however, after about, you know, three to four years, I'm one of those people I like evidence. I like to know that things work. I started to realize that clients that were getting this kind of advice, they weren't becoming financially free. And even more so, none of the financial advisors, including myself, were financially free, right? 
And, I, and it took a friend of mine. It was at the end of 2005, going to 2006, uh, a guy that actually trained to be a financial advisor left to go do real estate investing. And uh, he asked me, he said, Chris, like what, how many of your clients are actually financially free right now where they don't worry about money? Not retired, but they don't worry about money. I thought about it. I said, well, maybe one. No, she's not either because she still watches CNN. And if you watch CNN, you think the sky is falling, right? So nope, she's not financially free. He's like, well, great. Good job, Chris. Well, how about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free? Not off the commissions you're earning, right? Not off the money you're making from just selling this stuff, but actually doing those mutual fund type of investments. And I thought about guys that have been working there since the, the, really the late 70s, and none of them were financially free either. And I said, well, none. He said, Chris, there is your problem. And I said, well, give me the answer. Obviously, you know something I don't. He's like, Chris, you just got done arguing with me why you're right. Why would I give you the answer? And so that takeaway drove me nuts, right? I wanted it more. I was like, put, put, come on, give me something. He said, all right, go get this book called Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki. It's a lesser known rich dad book. It, pretty much to sum it up for you, mutual funds suck. They don't work. People don't come financially free off of them. So I read that. I said, okay, I can see the point. Um, I can see that because I've seen the evidence of it. And then he said, well, listen to these guys that do this AM talk radio show locally here in the state of Utah. And so I listened to these real estate investor guys on the radio show for several months. And pretty soon I said, I can't do this anymore. I got to quit. I'm going to quit being a financial advisor, never teach about money again. I will just be, I'll basically just be, be a mortgage broker and teach ballroom dancing. Because little known fact, I was one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers about 20 years ago. Um, so that's what I was doing. But again, I had to know what these guys knew. So I ended up hiring these guys, getting them to mentor me. Uh, and then pretty soon, by, by the middle of 2006, this, that summer, I was able to become financially free myself, even after quitting being a financial advisor. And uh, it blew my mind. I was 28, almost 29 years old. I thought, well, dang, that was so easy. You know, what do I do with my life now? And, and as I had that next six months or so to really ponder on it, I realized that I love teaching. And so I ended up coming back I ended up going back to work, so to speak, in 2007 to teach people how to become financially independent, went through the recession and be, went from millionaire to upside down millionaire during that recession because the business had a rough start. You are I in had good a rough company, start my friend. With, with some of the real estate in, I was doing. You're in good company. <laughs> I had a, a good, real, a good size real estate. <laughs> You've been there too, huh? Out. Yeah, I don't, you don't know that much about my background, but I spent 20 years as a real estate investor, developer. I had a, a uh -huh. real estate radio show in Chicago. I was like riding high in the, in the 2000s and then 2009, oh, I, I kind of like, well, it didn't all work out. But anyway, enough about me. I want to yeah. hear from about your story. No, that's it's good to hear because, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was rough, you know, because yeah. I, I wasn't. The funny thing is the things that got me to be financially independent the first time I started yeah. to ignore because I got I basically got too egotistical, like many probably 20 somethings you might run across, especially if they're in the yeah. entrepreneur space. They think, uh -huh. oh, I'm amazing. I've got the Midas touch. Yeah, I'm awesome. And that was the best slice of humble pie I could have gotten at that time. And so right. I didn't file for bankruptcy, but I, man, I got dang close. I mean, I was, I had to pull out, pay off over a million dollars of debt, um, yeah. was able to dig out of the hole so that by the end of 2016, so I mean, about seven, eight years later, yeah. I was finally able to dig out of that hole, become financially independent for the second time, this yeah. time much wiser uh, by the time I was almost yeah. 40, you know, and, uh, and was uh -huh. able to do it better. And that's where I am today, teaching people how to do the same thing. And just really trying to spread that ripple effect, that word to help people create freedom and prosperity in their own lives. Yeah, that's it's it's uh, 
it's been a, a fun road. I, I mean, I, I talk about myself for way too long in this topic because, yeah, the real estate thing was really good to me when it was good. And mm -hmm. yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty humble. I loved teaching. I was always studying, and I always, when I had a, I had a, um, a class, an actual live class where I taught people every week, two classes a week, how to become real estate investors. And I was always active in the game. It wasn't just a teacher. I was actively yeah. buying my own property, so I was, I was active with it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I had to, you know, people talk about their their 2009 dip with their foreclosure or whatnot. I said, I had 19 <laughs> foreclosure. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a massive catastrophic thing. But uh, but yeah. yeah, we bounced back. We didn't die like, you know, some people did. But um, mm -hmm. so give me, get, what do you do? Is it just real estate? Would you have a, a more holistic approach? What do you do? What's the, what's the deal? Yeah, it's more holistic approach. I mean, definitely we, we look at alternative space, right? Because yeah. really anything a financial advisor offers, it's kind of like Mexican food. You know, I mean, think about Mexican food, right? Um, same ingredients, you know, it's the chi it's, it's like the cheese, the meat, rice and beans, right? Uh, lettuce, tomatoes. It's the same stinking ingredients. They just repackage it differently. And if you really dumb down what financial advisors offer, and again, these guys are, have good hearts, just like I did. I would say the vast majority of them are really good people, but they're taught stuff that's really just theory that has yet to work in actual application, which is you're not seeing people become financially free. You don't hear people bragging about how they became financially independent from their 401ks at work, right? You don't hear people bragging about this stuff. You don't even hear baby boomers saying, hey, I feel much better after 30, 40 years of saving in these mutual funds. I'm financially free. You don't hear that. If, if, if not, there are financially free not people- Not nowadays. You know, back mm -hmm. in the in the 70s and 80s, it could still be done because some of my family members did it. But uh -huh. nowadays with things where they are, you're absolutely right. I don't I don't see that being a path. Yeah, you're right. Who, who's bragging about, you know, I retired on my- on my pension or my, my 401k. It's a good point. Yeah. That, and that's the key is that a lot of people would just put money into, you know, they have pensions and other things to mm -hmm. help, help it out. Social security, they get a hundred percent of social security, not 70% yeah. like we're predicted to get. Right. I mean, they, they had so many other things. Um, right. and I'll tell you like the thing I've noticed too, even despite the last. Oops, you froze there a second. Ah, yeah, connect connection. We're gonna have to edit this one now. Shoot, that's a first. Mm. Oh shoot! Yep. I don't know. We'll have to do a little editing again. I've never <laughs> had to edit these things before. For some reason, we had we had a dump out. We'll just keep going. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, like, uh, like I, I was starting to say there is that, you know, the last 13 years have been very friendly to us, but the average yeah. of the market for the 30 years has only been 8.4%. That's the real yeah. rate of return of the S&P 500, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is people think they're like, man, this trajectory, I'm going to retire. This is very similar thinking people had a Y2K, right? Y2K, yeah. you're like, my dad thought he was going to be able to retire by the early 2000s. Uh -huh. And then he decided to go all tech stocks on his mutual funds on his 401k and then it dumped. Oops. Right. Right. And so it took him another 15 years before he could retire. And, and even then that's because he knows he probably will out, he will, he won't outlive his money. He's going to die first. So that's the yeah. only reason he has faith that's going to work. That's not the way to go. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, like you run the numbers, you can't really save your way to wealth. Even the people that did it before or the people I've seen it now, when I ask him like, well, where'd that money come from? It's usually because one, they had a business and they sold the business. Or two, mm -hmm. they have something else coming in to su supply them, right? It's not mm -hmm. the mutual funds by itself, what, like every yeah. financial advisor teaches. Um, right. 
And that's the thing I'm really preaching against is guys like you can't just do the same old crap and expect to get different results because people mm -hmm. aren't becoming financially free. I've run the numbers. I mean, it's it's virtually impossible. You want you want to in 20 years, you want to retire with a sixty thousand dollar a year lifestyle. You better start saving about six thousand dollars a month. Right. Like, well, and, and we always crazy. think, oh, yeah, you know, I love that one line that I've heard like, well, you don't need as much when you retire. You know, and I had <laughs> I had one friend that tried that. He tried to retire at 45. I'm like, no, I have all this time. My hands. I spend more money when I'm retired. I want to go over and do mm -hmm. things. So and, you yeah. know, with inflation being all hidden now because they hide all the all the real numbers on inflation. It's exactly. uh, yeah, that's 50,000. You probably need about 80 or 100, I'm guessing, in today's dollars. I don't know. Spends yeah. Time, right? And it just keeps going up. Right. You can't you can't right. expect you're going to get there. And and that's that's what happened to me the last year as a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. I was getting depressed when I'd run. I try to run more realistic numbers. I was uh, like, oh, that doesn't look good. There's no hope there. So, OK, I'll just make inflation lower and hey, I'll make the return of the stock market a little bit better. Or, hey, maybe we'll just keep increasing every year keep saving more and more and more because, hey, your your wages are going to keep up with inflation, too. Right. And <laughs> all that kind of junk. And. And that's the thing is that just in practicality, it's not happening, you know, and right. I, I even met one guy, he is retired. He's in his seventies and he, and, and people were like, Hey, you know, this is a neighbor of mine. Right. So they're like, how'd you do it? He's like, Oh, I just saved in the stock market. I did this. And, but then when people really started to dig in and ask him more questions, he said, well, technically I've got two pensions coming from two different companies. Um, I got social security. So really I don't even need the money from the stock market. <laughs> And yeah. uh, that's the thing is like, you know, it, it's just, it's just not working in practicality, practicality. Right. Okay. So we know that the, uh, you know, the common denominator here is like, yeah, most advice is pointing you towards uh, a direction, which isn't going to give you what you think you're going to get. What's the answer here? We talk about real estate. You said a holistic approach. What's the contrarian uh, formula here or recipe? Yeah. It's always about not focusing on how much you accumulate money, but how you can accelerate money. Right. It's about cash flow, not accumulation. Right. Because when I was taught as a financial advisor, here's my goal. My goal was to retire by the time I was 40. And I was gonna have to save all the way up to having $2 million. So then I could live on like 3% a year. Because the truth is that whole 4% a year living on your money, too much. Like that's way too much. It's way too much money. You'll outlive your money. I guarantee it. Um, unless you die quickly. Keep eating ramen noodles. You might get there. But I don't recommend a short lifespan so you don't outlive your money, right? Um, so two or three percent is all you're supposed to pull out. Well, if if you happen to save a million bucks, that's twenty or thirty grand a year, right? That's 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 living in poverty as a millionaire. You're a broke millionaire. Now that same million bucks, and I've had many people come to me. They're like, "Hey, I've got money just sitting around. It could be like a couple hundred thousand, half million, a couple million even, right?" I have one guy. He wants to live on five hundred thousand a year. And he has $3 million saved up so far in his mutual funds. And I said, well, keep going. You know, even though you're, you're 53 years old, you're going to have to you actually quintuple this money. You have to get up to 15 million so you can live off 500,000. And that's why the financial advisor told him, you're doing good. Keep going. You're doing better than most. And he's like, well, if I want 500,000 a year, I've got to keep saving like crazy over the next 12 years or hopefully retire by 65. And I told him, I said, listen, you got $3 million sitting there. If only we, instead of focusing on just trying to accumulate and then live on less than the interest, which is what the stock market answer is, what if we can actually generate streams of income coming in that pay way more? And so I told him, I said, listen, like we conservatively, we, we've got funds and different investments that I have connections to that will pay you at least 10% a year. So do the math, 
$3 million at 10%, instead of trying to pull off 90,000 a year, like he might with the stock market, now he's pulling off 300,000 a year, and he can even get better tax breaks than he would do in the stock market, which basically give you no tax breaks, right? And same thing, if you got a million bucks, that million, if you don't wanna live on 30, 20 or 30,000 a year with then pay taxes, what if you could live on 100,000 a year with less taxes, right? And so the places you can do that are things like in real estate. There are plenty of real estate investments you could do that in. Some actually will pay more, um, but some are just simple funds where you pull your money together with other people, buy an apartment building, right? You don't have to manage it. You don't have to deal with it. Uh, even when I buy properties and I buy and own my own properties, even if it's a single family home or duplex, whatever, I don't manage the property. I don't clean out the toilets or deal with the tenants. I don't even know their names, you know, unless I go look up on the paperwork what their names are. I turn it over to somebody else to be a property manager and I collect the checks, right? And even after that, I usually make at least a 10 or 12% rate of return. You know, of course, things can vary. Uh, sometimes it can be better. Sometimes it can be worse, you know? Um, you know, we had a property, two properties this year that, you know, didn't pay that much just because of like a, a fence got damaged. So after you factor in the, the damages, you know, yeah. we made a little bit, a few hundred bucks, but we didn't make a few thousand like we expected. Right. Or one of my but friends on the side. Yeah, in Canada, she was like, we're not getting any rents because the government said, ah, don't bother paying your rent now. I'm like, oh, crap. You know, the mortgage is <laughs> you don't want to there. The, yeah. the rents, uh, yeah. No. Well, and, and, and you know, on, on the other side, too, like we have a property in Memphis the last three years. It's done a 280% return on our money. 280. Mm -hmm. I mean, the market hasn't got close to that despite it hitting some of the biggest highs it's had. Right. Is that um, on, on cash flow or equity or both or depreciation? What, what do you call the how above. Do you with 280? Yeah, that was all the above. If you factor just cash flow, it was about 40% over the last three years. 40% cash flow, wonderful, yeah. Yeah, cash on cash returns, yeah. right? Not including yeah, right. appreciation, any of that stuff. Of course, they mm -hmm. paid down my mortgage for me too, so that built a few th thousand extra oh, yeah. returns as well, right? But I, uh, my 32,000 yeah. has already made another 90,000 on top of the 32,000 I put on, down on that property. So that's, I remember when I was active in real estate, Chris, I'd have calls from brokers, right? Stock brokers mm -hmm. and real estate broad guys. I'm mean, sorry, stock brokers and uh, financial advisors. And they yeah. talk about these, these numbers. I said, well, I don't know if you can help me out. I got two questions for you. You know, I said mm -hmm. one, you know, how much do you make? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't want to take advice of someone who makes, who makes less than me. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. And number two, the last deal I did, it was infinity return. Can you get anything like that? Because mm -hmm. I did a lot of no money down deals, right? With like, yeah, you know, highly leveraged deals to get them going. But then I would either flip them or hold them or refinance them. I do things to make cash out of yeah. it. But yeah, people don't understand the, they, they look at real estate as, ah, there's, you know, risk reward. You're more risk with, with people and tenants and property and government. Yes. And everything mm -hmm. is manageable to, to a degree, but yep. don't forget, it's not just a cash on cash depreciation, equity value add. There's so many other yes. ways to, to uh, get a return on that as opposed to, as you know, the, the stocks and mutual funds. So, yeah. And that's even actively investing, you know, even, you know, I, I focus more with helping people passively invest, right? Mm -hmm. um, there, there's no doubt actively investing, you can make even a higher returns than I'm talking right. about easily. Right. Um, right. But it requires time and energy. And just remember, that's, that's different for everybody. Because some people have the time, they're like, well, mm -hmm. I could do this, you know, and they can yeah. make much better returns. You know, I, yeah. I've got people that, you know, do like, do like land deals, you know, and do mm -hmm. seller financing and flipping of land and things like that. They can make yeah. like 80 to 100% returns on their money each year, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. right now I just went passively invested in the land deal so I can make, you know, do a split on that where I at least make a 50 or 60% return, you know, never going to guarantee that, but Hey, I don't mind if I can make cool money on that. Sweet. I'll do it. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend who, uh, 
he bought you know it was a smallish town but um there was a uh uh an old gas station that closed mm -hmm. up and uh you know he looked it up and called around and you know nobody wanted it with the tanks whatnot mm -hmm. and he found someone a, a bigger company to buy it they would do the remediation all that he just sold the contract for like 1.1 million dollars so he didn't i mean he put like a deposit down to hold the you know the contract yep. I think it was like 20 grand or something like that and made yeah. a million one on it right or you know yeah so there's a lot of ways to do this stuff um when you talk and about the past go ahead no. well, i was gonna say just add to that too like you don't even have to do it just in real estate you know i have a client who's doesn't want to have anything to do with real estate right but yeah. he, oil and gas he's like hey that that intrigues me like great well, yeah. let's find some oil funds and see if we can make some good returns there double digit returns a mm -hmm. year on that you know, mm -hmm. franchises, you know, is another option. I had a few clients that were already in real estate saying, yeah, but I want to do diversify out of that a little bit. Cool. Yeah. Well, they just bought a laundromat. You know, we connected with a dealer mm -hmm. to do to broker to help find a good franchise that meets their kind of desires, their lifestyle and things like that. And they yeah. got a laundromat up and functioning, right. you know, like there's all kinds of ways to make money that's outside the stock market, but we're always mm -hmm. led to believe that is the only way. And the truth is, if that were the only way, then we have no hope because people yeah. aren't becoming financially free off that. But there's been millions of us that have gone outside right. of that path in this alternate space right. that are making much more money with less risk, much better returns, mm -hmm. and we and we and we have more control over money. Yeah. So a couple the big question I have for and I've asked for a lot of people in the space, like other other people in the um, industrial real estate space, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they understand the markets and economies and the value of the dollar and the international finance. And I know enough to be dangerous, but I know this. It's like, you know, with our, with our budget and what we're spending as a country and what we're bringing in and the, G, you know, the, the debt against GDP, all this stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. number one, it is mathematically impossible to pay off our national debt right now. Right. It's, yep. it's it, we're way past that. It's impossible. And they never want to. <laughs> well, we cannot. There's not enough. I mean, you can't. There's not enough printing presses to do it. Number one, which would just make you mm -hmm. know, cash and wheelbarrows again popular. But um, <laughs> with with this delay of the the every seven year recession, we haven't had one now. It's it's way overdue. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your take on how it might unfold? How the value of the dollar is going to be affected by all the things that are going on? And then the most important question out of those three is okay. So where is a semi-safe place to go? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, like the government, you know, if you're expecting them to ever pay off debt, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, they won't. Not not because they can't, because even if they could be fiscally responsible, they don't want to be because they're playing the inflation game right now, right? I mean, when we see inflation already the last year has been about 8% over the last year on the producer price index. Consumer price, yeah. it's so altered. They don't even trust it. Like that's they put, a government. They don't, they don't put. Government they, don't, they don't put food in there and stuff. Like, come on, guys. No, they'll, even even when they do put food in, they they do different stuff with it. It just makes no sense, right? Like, and that's been every president since really since Carter. They've yeah. messed with this inflation index so it looks lower yeah. than it is in reality, right? Yeah, right? But we know it's at least eight or ten percent over last year. Your bank mm -hmm. accounts pay what point nothing percent? Yeah, you yeah. know, so you're definitely it, losing eight percent a year, easy. Yeah. The safe place to be, and and I wouldn't even say banks are that safe, especially if they get over leveraged, right? And the government, they're they're they know this. That's why they get such low, you know, they pay such low interest rates on their debt because they're like, hey, we pay one two percent to another yeah. nation, <laughs> who cares? We just made money because inflation is eight or ten percent. So now our assets that we're holding made more money than the than what it costs mm -hmm. us in the debt side, right? 
So they're playing that little inflation game, kind of like we have been. You know, and when we buy real assets, we're outpacing whatever we're paying on a mortgage payment, for example, because right. we know right. we're going to make more than three freaking percent or four percent a year. Yeah. Now, where is it safe to be? I mean, there's not a lot of places that's going to be safe yeah. if you're playing in the if you're gambling with your money. So if you're speculating, you know, stock market, I don't think is safe. I think even with inflation driving the market up artificially because it's just driving up because it tries to keep up with inflation. There's mm -hmm. the thing is that most of the stock market dips that have happened, right, didn't coincide with the recession. They kind of were off. They weren't even at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. it, in fact, if you have like an economic, like actual bad downturn and the stock market going down at the same time, it's only mm -hmm. happened about five or six percent of the time. Mm -hmm. You'd be better off saying, "Is it a rainy day?" <laughs> like you have more odds of success saying, "Oh, yeah. the stock market goes down on a rainy day," right? It, okay. It's, so don't even worry about econ economy and stock market. But the fact is, you're gambling. Uh, you know, Bitcoin, a lot of people are doing like stuff with that. Again, speculation and governments want to control that kind of stuff. So be careful of that. Like if you've become a millionaire because of the stock market, because of Bitcoin, just know that that can be taken away in, a, in an instant. So be careful of that. Again, I like to go for easy places. I go for a place that have real assets. This is why I am buying real estate. This is why I'm buying the things that actually have real intrinsic value. Heck, I'm even buying a little bit of gold and silver. Not a lot because I want a cash flow, right? I always want a cash flow of money. So that's why I'm looking at real estate, even commercial. I'm looking at like self-storage. We're looking at things with, like I mentioned, land and things of that nature that with inflation, especially those things appreciate much higher. Uh, other place I look at, rather than storing my money in the bank, I actually store my money inside life insurance policies. So the one thing I actually use that, in, that you know insurance guys will use, although they don't use it the right way, is I'll store money inside my life insurance but I'll get as low cost as possible. So I actually am able to double dip on my money. So I can not only let it store there and make at least a four or 5% guaranteed tax-free return, but I'm also using that money at the same time to invest. So I make money over here, like in my real estate, and I'm making money here, usually netting at least another two to 5% return on top of the money I'm making my real estate. So I'm double dipping my money um, while keeping it safe at the same time. So those are the kind of things I've been doing with my money. It's pretty simple. Uh, it's really not rocket science. I think the thing is for each of you guys listening out here, this listening audience is everybody's different, right? Everybody has their own little formula that works right. And you just got to find that right formula that works for you. Outstanding. Yeah. You know, everything has a risk and reward to it. So it's based on the, you know, a person's personality, but you're right about the real asset thing. You know, it's, um, when it's a tangible thing, you know, mm -hmm. depending on what it is, um, at least you can, at least you can touch it. I know I've got, um, a couple of friends that have invested in fine art or exotic exotic automobiles. And I'm like, mm. what? Like, we don't drive them, but they've like doubled in value in the past 10 years. Like it was a really good investment. Like, well, I'm not buying. And then somebody was selling shares of Ferraris. So I'm like, okay, this is, it sounded speculative to me, but their numbers looked like, well, that sounds interesting, but uh -huh. I couldn't go grab a muffler, right? It wasn't like I couldn't get a, a piece of that, you know, like a, like a REIT, you know, you have, oh, I have a share of a REIT uh -huh. or share of a, of a trust. Okay, I can have a something tangible, but the car thing is weird. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And even then, like a REIT's just a paper asset. It's not even backed by anything that real, you know? Um, and even when they buy their stuff inside of the REIT, they the kind of do a crappy job, you know? The real so estate inside a REIT? Well, the, when they do REITs, I mean, they're buying the real estate portfolio, but they don't care about the growth. They don't care about cash flow or anything. They're just yeah. trying to buy an asset, right? Just, right. I mean, they'll buy overpriced when they do it. They'll buy. Yeah. Gold, yeah. Like I've never invested one. I just saw the numbers. Out. I'm like, oh, man, I got two cap rate. What the heck? What do I want with that? <laughs> weird. Well, and the truth is if something goes wrong, it's not like you can turn around and say, Hey, you know what? 
you should sell that property. You can't go to the, pro the, the money manager and say, you know what, you should go unload this or do that or that to make more money. They don't listen to you. Whereas so real you, estate, you can have an actual asset your, and control it. With your with your passive investments, you personally, the people you've worked with, when they're passive, mm -hmm. let's say I'm not going to go be a landlord, but I invest in a a fund, some credit investor pool. Yeah. Um, how do you have, is there like liquidity in some of those or is it just in for the five year thing? Or how do you structure those? It depends on the deal of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't do any investments myself where I structure the deals. I don't mm -hmm. raise any capital or anything like that. I more help yeah. people strategize and then connect mm -hmm. them with those deals. Right. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so, so I stay out of it completely so I can be, you know, have more pure advice versus saying like, you know what, this is my fund <laughs> invest with me. Right. Okay. Which is what every financial advisor does anyways. Um, so I gotta, I gotta be against it. I gotta be the anti. So, so I don't raise the money for those deals, but mm -hmm. I might say, Hey, based on your timeline, this might be good. There might be like, you're saying mm -hmm. like there could be a five-year deal. Well, yeah. it depends. Is your goal growth or cash flow? Or in some cases, right. some people might say, well, both like yeah. I got yeah. a good timeline yeah. and I'm trying to get some cash flow too. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe we do look at this deal instead of this deal. Cause this one's more growth oriented. This one's more cash flow. Maybe we do that. Um, yeah. You know, we look at, uh, you know, is it, you know, time frame? I had somebody who said, hey, this one's about a three-year deal. This is mm -hmm. the exact time frame I'm looking for. What do you think? And I said, well, uh, I know that guy's paid all of his investors every every quarter since 2003. Not guaranteed, but if you're going with the guy, I mean, he's been through a few recessions and a few bumps and bruises and still honored yeah. his commitments. That says something, you know, like that's that's a good deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and not to, not to mention he was going to pay a 12% minimum return. That wasn't bad either. <laughs> so, that's good. you know, you think about it, you invest 100 grand, you make, you know, thousand bucks a month average, you know, yeah. or 3000 a quarter. I mean, that's great. You know, those are some yeah. great numbers to turn around mm -hmm. to create more returns. And so, yeah. yeah, it's always different based on what timelines are and what your goals are. I love it. Yeah. I've got one of, one of my clients does, uh, he sells, uh, he does debt financing for um, strip malls with generally mm. an anchor tenant there. So if somebody wants to go and build a strip mall, the Starbucks there, he'll go and raise the the debt for it and then get yeah. investors invest in that. It's a, it's a very modest return, but he says his due diligence checklist is the best I've ever seen in my life. He'll like go into like, you know, the subcontractor's history of completing jobs from 1990s. Like he's really detailed on how deep he goes. And the number one thing was what you just said was, okay, the person's put it together. What's their track record? What's their attitude? What's their beliefs about all yeah. this stuff? Because, some people like, hey, I'll, I'll try something at the roll of dice, and then they let the investors, you know, out to dry. And some people mm -hmm. know their reputation is the most important thing to them. And yeah. That's the kind of people you probably want to work with. I'm guessing. That's right. It's it's yeah. in those cases when you're turning your money to somebody else, it's more important about who's doing the investing than what yeah. they're investing in. Because right. you look at all their little pro formas, the thing that showed all the numbers, right? Yeah. They, they, they all look great. They of always show some put great numbers. Yeah, I might, I might adjust the inflation figures just to make it look better, right? I mean, exactly. You know, it's it's like the old saying: figures don't lie, but liars figure, right? No, um, it's so much more important to say, like, all right, who is this person? You know, have they been through some pretty rough times? And like, for example, have they gone through the last recession? I, I sat down with a guy who he got investigated by the SEC during the last mm -hmm. recession mm -hmm. and got hosed, lost millions of dollars in that deal, um, but he's come back on the other side stronger and wiser as a result of it. Right. And so he's like, I've got it down to a system. He's like, I don't even veer off. I always do these yeah. exact types of deals. I stay in my lane. I don't worry about these other ones, even though I could make money. I just yeah. do what I know and what I know best. And that's all I do. 
and those are the people I love. I, I think boring is sexy, honestly. Like people that do something that's boring it's to them so is sexy. Hard to for me. entrepreneurs to do that. They love the 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 sizzle and the flash, you know, to actually do something mm -hmm. that's different. Chris, that's I'd love true. to have you back again. We got I got so much more to talk about. You know, I've I've uh, I've met the Kiyosaki's, I have my real estate career. I'd love to chat with you again, but we got oh shows over today. Do you have any uh, anything you want to leave the audience with? Uh, you have a freebie or tell them about your show or your book or something? Yeah, you're more than welcome to follow my podcast, The Chris Miles Money Show. You can find it on any platform, YouTube, iTunes, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, or there's even my website, moneyripples.com. You can find lots of information on there as well about just ways to think outside the box. And, you know, on, like you say, on average, we find at least $35,000 a year um, for people to increase their cash flow in year one. Wow. Love it. Yeah. I'm, I follow uh, Cody Sanchez. If you follow her or not, she's got a thing called contrarian thinking. She uh -huh. speaks the exact same language you do. It's a good good person to follow. She's uh, really super smart. Everything does contrarian. She buys mm -hmm. lager vats, like you mentioned, all that. So it's interesting stuff. It's great. I love it. So uh, Money Ripples, the website? Yep, moneyripples.com. Moneyripples.com. Check it out. You'll find Chris Miles there giving you some contrarian wisdom about money and stuff. So we appreciate your time today, Chris. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And this is Doug Crow with All of Your Brand Show. Please go ahead and click below, subscribe. There's some free goodies for, for those of you who just choose to subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, or Spotify. Have a good one.